A reading from 1 John 3:11 to 18. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Thanks to all of you who um, helped run services the last few weeks. Thanks, Tom and uh, Vinny, my friend who preached here last week. I hope you got to hear him. I listened. It was fun. Fun to hear Vinny preach. I wish I could preach like that. Um, but we each have our own styles, right? Um, we are uh, about a little over halfway through. We have a few more weeks in uh, the letters of John. And this morning, just I want to just kind of get, a, get us back into a running start where we are. John is writing a letter to believers who are living in what we know as Turkey. They're being pressed from not only Rome, civil authorities are persecuting but also people have left that church. They're preaching things that are not biblical, things that John knows are not true, but they're enticing people away from the church to join their teaching, their fellowship. And so John is facing these young believers, relatively new to the faith, and he's trying to help them remember how they're going to walk in the long haul. Many of us know and grieve over people who started their walk with Christ, but now no longer for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why people stop walking with the Lord. The Bible gives us remedy to be marathoners for the long haul. And so this morning we're going to be looking at, we sort of open the second half of this book. The first half was on This is the message, John said, as an eyewitness, John says in the opening verses of this letter, I saw and I touched and I heard Jesus. And here's the message, God is light. And so what we've looked at over the past five or six weeks is that because God is light, we should have God's light in us. And the practical outworking of that has been that we resist sinfulness that we obey God's commands, that we defy the world and stand up against the course of this world, that we stand against those who distort the truth, and finally, that we live like children of the light, God's children, not children of the darkness. So that's been kind of the early. God's light, so that's how you need to live. Now, got your Bible, open up, because... This gives us a signal of the second half of the message because he begins with the same phrase in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. 
For this is the message, same way he opened in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. In 1 John 4, 8, he's going to go on to say, declare just very simply, God is love in his being. He is love. God is light. God is love. These are two messages, John says, that I heard from Jesus that change the way you live your Christian life. God is light. God is love. Now, it's almost cliche. I could go off with uh, how love is almost meaningless as a word, right? We could all fill in the blanks on all the ways people use the word love. Generally, I think, if, um, this is my opinion, generally when I think people use love in our today, in our culture, in our world, it's, it's a feeling, right? Now, it's more than a feeling, kind of, but essentially it it's, starts with, I just, I fell in love, that idea, you know? And I'm not, I'm not saying there's no truth in that, that there's nothing about feelings or whatever, but I think that's sort of where our world starts. It's, it's how you feel about something. That's why we would say, I love, I do love my bed. And we say, Nancy and I get into bed most nights and say, I love my bed. Because we have a feeling of gratitude that our bed is comfortable. I love my pillow. You know, I, we, we, we use this and there's, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful to say that, but we, we, there's certain things because we feel good toward it, right? I love that. So, the Bible gives us some tremendous help in this arena because more than most things, it defines love and it defines it in a radically different way. But let's, let's go through the scripture and look at what it says because what it, what John tells us here is he says, you should love one another. So we, but he starts by telling us what love isn't. Then he's going to tell us what love is. And then he's going to tell us how do we get the power for that kind of love. So that's what we're going to look at briefly this morning. What love isn't, what love is, and how do we get the power for that kind of love? Okay, what love isn't? I tell you, to me, he sets the bar pretty low. Look at what he says. Okay. We should love one another. Don't be like Cain. He was of the devil and murdered his brother. Kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of unloving things to do, right? I mean, could yeah, yeah. I, most of us pass that test. Like maybe a few of us here, bad, you know, whatever. But most of us would say, "What? Well, okay, I guess I'm loving." I, okay, wait. It's the Bible's never that easy. It's never that simple. All right, why Cain? All right, we, we know quite little about Cain. He shows up in one chapter, fourth chapter of Genesis, and then makes, he's mentioned a few other times, two or three other times in Scripture, and that's it. Okay, so why? What are we, what are we supposed to get here about Cain and the way we don't love? Okay? First, let me t- take you, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to right before Revelation, just to the right of 1 John, the book of Jude, written by one of Jesus' brothers, Jude. It's only one chapter, so it's the 11th verse of Jude. And he's also talking about false teachers that John is writing about to his flock, about don't get deceived by these false teachers. And here's what he says, Jude says about these false teachers. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain. Interesting, it's one of the only other places mentioned. 
and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. So three Old Testament characters, Cain being one of them. All right. What happened in the story of Cain? I'm going to give you a brief overview of what happened. All we know is that Adam and Eve, first two sons, oldest son Cain, second son Abel. They, Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. The Lord, it just says very simply, there's a lot of blanks, but it just says very simply, the Lord wanted them to sacrifice, give a sacrifice, a, a worship offering to the Lord. And it says that Cain brought the some of the fruit from his uh, work and Abel brought the best of his flock. It says the Lord accepted Abel's gift, but didn't accept Cain's. A lot of speculation as to why. You know, there was a blood offering. Maybe that was why, whatever. We don't really know. The Bible doesn't say specifically why. But we get some hints. We get some hints. I'll, I'll just turn quickly. If you want to turn to Genesis 4, I want to give you a few hints because this is going to tell us it's going to get a little closer to home than just not murdering someone as our bar for love. In Genesis chapter 4, Abel brought the firstborn, I'm in verse 4, 4-4. Four, four. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. That's the best. Firstborn and the fat. That's the best of the offering. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Cain's response, he was very angry, it says, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Difficult passage, difficult verse to know exactly all that was going on here. But here's what's clear. When God challenged Cain that something in his offering was not coming out of the best, not coming sacrificially, not coming with a heart of worship, Cain was not doing it for those reasons. Abel was. His response was to double down on his offense. He was offended by God, which led to anger which led to murder. Because what we read right after in uh, in Genesis 4, let me pick back up with the story, because at this point, Abel is just fuming that God has not accepted his offering. We can read it as, oh, wow, God doesn't like fruit and wheat. No, I don't think so. God doesn't like hearts that aren't in it for them for worship. So he's Cain spoke to his brother, Abel, his brother, And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's heart was wrong before God. He was lying. He was doing it for himself. So bottom line is that Cain was all about Cain. And what love isn't? is when we love for the purpose of what we get in return about us. It's about us. Our whole perspective and our life tends to be about what's in, what it does for us. And 
the, the biblical definition of love is the complete opposite of that. We'll see that in just a minute. When God speaks to us and he challenges us, we have, an, we have a choice like Cain does. We can grow offended that things aren't working out our way. It can lead to anger. And while it may not lead to physical murder, the Bible draws a very short line. For those of us last year who memorized in the Sermon on the Mount, I'll have you all stand up and repeat it, word for word, verbatim. But no, I'll I'll spare us. Matthew 5, most of you know where I'm going with this, but it's in Matthew 5, verse 21. We'll put it up on the screen. I'll read one verse to get us in. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Well, we've just gotten the bar, limbo bar has gotten a little lower to get under at this point, because now the idea of murder, Cain murdering Abel, we're a little closer because what this is, is I wish ill to someone else. It's them, the bad guys. It's those that I really want to see get their comeuppance. And see, that strikes close to my heart because sometimes I'm glad when people get what I think they deserve. And you see, it's really easy to take offense. And John saw this happening in the church, and he knew it was going to pull that church apart. And so he says, look, if we're going to be who Jesus has called us to be, people who reflect the light and the love of God, we're going to have to do things differently. That's what love isn't. And then he makes a little turn here, a surprise turn to me, verse 13. So don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So all of a sudden, he looks at the world outside, and he well may be thinking of these false teachers. But he makes the turn, and he says, look, they're like Cain. They're going to hate you. And if you're going to walk in humility, if you're going to be able, if you're going to offer your worship to the Lord, don't think that the world is going to love you. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself, but we have to steel ourselves and prepare ourselves, if you're a Christian, that people aren't going to uh, love and adore you and like you and your views. doesn't mean we have to be jerks, but it means that we stand and we walk in the light and in the love of God, giving the hope of God for people who won't like who you are and what you stand for. Verse 14, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love. Whoever does not love abides in death, and whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So there he draws the line between what Cain did and what we do if we don't love. Okay, so that's what love isn't. What is love? You should memorize, I challenge each one of you to memorize First John 3.16. Most of you have John 3.16 down. Expand your horizons. First John 
Okay? We learned it uh, with Steve Green back in the day when our kids were learning these Bible verses. This is how we know what love is. This is how you know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's the version we memorized it in. Hold on to that. Hang on. The Bible, will you, your life will be twisted and turned. We see bumper stickers about love. We see all sorts of definitions of love in this world. If you're a Christian, this is how you know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's love. He gives us some measuring tools for it. He says, don't just love in word and deed. I'm sorry, don't just love in word and talk. Love in deed and truth. So that love is dying. Love involves a cross. It involves death to you, but life to others. That's what Jesus did. Cain was thinking about Cain. That's my. That's what I'm going to present to you is what I think. Cain was thinking about Cain and his offering was unacceptable to God. Don't know what led him to that, but in Hebrews 11, it says that Abel's gift was accepted because it was full of faith. But Cain's was rejected. So to me, it wasn't about faith. It wasn't about God, what do you want? It was about, what. hey, is this good enough for you, God? Come on, God. I worked really hard at that. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, the only thing that I can find in all that that he was thinking about himself was to say, I'm thirsty. An acknowledgement of his own weakness. But think about what Jesus said as he died for us. Father, what? Forgive them. You, forgive me. Forgive they don't know what they're doing. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. John, take care of my mother. Who is Jesus thinking about? He's thinking about us and about his father. He says that's what love is. It's what love isn't. It's what love is. And I can tell you, I don't have the capacity for that kind of love. Because when I'm being crucified, I want to kill. I want to save my life. I don't want to die in myself. So where does that kind of power come from? Read on with me, please. Verse 19. By this we know that we're of the truth, and we reassure our hearts before him. For whatever our heart condemns us, which my heart condemns me regularly... God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I want to, but sometimes I just can't. Verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, And we love one another just as he's commanded us. Whoever keeps those commands abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. 
You can try to love selflessly, but God's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell inside you that you don't think you can. You don't think you can love your spouse or your kids or that crazy neighbor or you, you just, I can't. And I tell you, you can with the power of the Holy Spirit because that's why he's given you to do things you don't have in your own human strength the capacity to do. It's the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this book is right there when it says he's given us the power. So how do we love like this? How do we do what we don't have the capacity to do? Look at what he says. Believe. Believe. Look at Jesus. Verse 23. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Obey. Even when you don't want to. If you only obey when you want to, it's going to be a rocky road. (laughs) Obedience really matters when you'd rather not. What if your young children look at you and say, you know, you say, please go to bed now. And they say, I'd rather not. And you say, I'd rather you do. And then the question is, who's in charge here? Well, now you're the child. And God says, lay down your life Love where you don't have the capacity to love. And you say, I'd rather not. And God says, I'd rather you do. Because in that, I'll change the world. See, you're meant to change the world by loving people who are unlovable. That's what Jesus did because you and I were quite unlovable. Surprise. You're far worse than you think you are. The gospel's greater than you can imagine. But until you decide, I believe in Jesus enough to change my life. We're going to close with this. In Romans 12, sorry, Hebrews 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews is trying to give uh, his readers the opportunity to figure out what is it, how is it, that we can live our lives in a way of faith. He's just come out of that great great faith chapter. And in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these faithful people that he's described in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and every sin, the sin of murder, the sin of hatred, the sin of self-love. That's the root of all of our sins as we care more about ourselves. And let us run with endurance. Because you want to finish the race well. I do. That is set before us. How? Look to Jesus. You want to love? Look to Jesus. You won't love looking inside yourself. The world says, I'm going to find the answer inside myself. You're going to find your, your own organs. Look to Jesus, the author, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who wasn't thinking about himself, but for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus didn't dwell on the fact that he was betrayed, that he was denied. He didn't dwell on any of that. And there should we. You will be betrayed and denied in one form or another. 
But Jesus says, come join me. Come die with me. Come, come to the cross with me. And if you'll do that, there will be power and strength to live a life well until your last breath. On the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his followers, his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which has been broken for you. Take this and do it in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took a cup of wine. When he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, every one of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is shed for you, and it's shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, when I look at what love isn't, I see a litany in my life of self-love. And when I look at what love is, I look at the upper room and of you knowing that a denier and a traitor and cowards were sitting next to you taking this meal and you already knew what they would do and yet you gave your life for them for the forgiveness of their sin. And because of that, They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world. And we are the testimony and legacy of your life in them. Lord, let us be part of the continuing story of changing wicked people, dead people, into alive people able to love beyond ourselves. Strengthened by the body and blood of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a different way. Lord, these are the gifts of God, and they are for the people of God, so we would take them this day in thanksgiving. The communion table of living hope is open to those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, should be baptized and have confessed your sin, coming, if you know that you have unrepentant sin, deal with it before you come to the table. The Bible says sinners are welcome here. If you're struggling and if you're weak, come. Come, but when you come, you're depending on Jesus. By coming up and taking this, you are confessing your faith. Don't do it lightly. Do it thoughtfully. This table is open. This table is a welcome place for all who struggle. May I have those who are serving the communion come forward. Come and receive the love of Christ.